Welcome to the American Happiness Project. I'm Michelle Wax, and I travel throughout the USA, interviewing Americans from all walks of life on how they reach happiness and fulfillment in their everyday lives, and most importantly, how you can too. Get ready, get excited, we're about to begin. This next episode is perfect for those that are looking to create happiness in their everyday life. And let's face it, who isn't? In this episode, I chat with Penny Hunt. Penny went from living in a state of depression and grief to waking up every day filled with gratitude and happiness. She shares her journey of how she actually implemented this into her everyday life and shares her top three tips on how you can get started today on implementing this into your everyday life. Penny is from Cheyenne, Wyoming. I'm so excited for you to learn from Penny today. Let's get started. All right, everyone. So we're here with Penny Hunt today. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. I am so excited to chat. Penny actually attended a happiness hour in Cheyenne, Wyoming. And uh, really, when we initially spoke, you had mentioned that after a series of unfortunate events happened in your life, you know, people were coming to you in the community and asking, how are you still happy or how are you happy after all that you've gone through? Do you mind getting a little bit into the story of what led up to that? Sure. Well, I always say I've had seven lives in one, so I'll try to not go back too far. But um, really what happened, I was the executive director of an organization that recruited healthcare professionals to our state of Wyoming. And um, several things had happened. And one was that my dad passed away. And for the last couple months, I was one of his um, two main caretakers or my brother, sister, and I would visit. And But my mom and I seemed to spend the most time with him. And um, I was with him holding his hand and rubbing his head when he passed away. And I remember coming back to work and I was working crazy hours at my job and thinking, I've got a new benchmark. You know, holding my dad's hand was important. And some of this other stuff that I do for work is just stuff. And I thought I would slow down and um, not work so many hours. And I try to cut back on meetings. And then as life goes, you just get right back into the rat race and um, getting up at five. And I was doing a 45 mile commute to work. And then I got the call that my um, 22 year old son had passed away um, from an overdose, totally different circumstances. No, um, I mean, we knew we had been struggling with addiction for him, but out of the blue, no preparation, no handholding, no conversations like I had with my dad. And then it um, that threw me on the ground in an ugly, dirty place that I knew I couldn't live. I always say I have a high happiness set, set, point, set point, and it takes a lot to get me down, but that did it. And I remember thinking, I can't survive here. I can't live with you know my face in the muck from this depression and, and grief. So I started teaching myself tips and techniques that pulled myself up and got myself vertical um, and get back into life. And I, when, I remember when I went back to work, I would go out for lunch and with a client and negotiate a contract in about 10 minutes and spend the rest of the time talking to them about their family and their kids and what was going on and teaching these tips that I had taught myself. And they just kept saying, how are you even getting out of bed, let alone you're happy? And so I would teach my tips and I realized a couple things. I realized one, that the tips worked for me and they worked for other people. And I also realized that when I was teaching that and helping people um, handle stress and be happy in their life, that was when I felt alive and that was when I was happy. 
So I did a crazy thing. Everybody thought I was crazy. Walked away from a very um, great job, um, great income, high profile, and started speaking and writing and teaching people how to love their life no matter what. And I've been through a lot of stuff in my life, and I am happy. And so um, I, my book is, I wrote a book about tips and techniques that I had taught myself and um, about how to be happy no matter what happens. And so it doesn't matter if you're a banker or a stay-at-home mom or a teacher or what you do for a living. All of us need to know how to handle stress better and how to hone in on being happy. And um, how we do that, I think, is, is a choice. And so that's what I do. Um, the ironic thing is, after I had been doing this for several years, um, a year and a half ago, I was in a horrific car accident and um, took a year of my life. And I remember thinking through the process of physical therapy and you know pain and not being able to do much that, okay, Penny, this is a test. Are you really gonna walk your walk and can you be happy no matter what? And I had moments <laughs> where I wasn't so happy and then I you know, would fall back on my own tips and techniques and um, get through that. So, you know, everybody, has stuff in life and we just all need to know how to hone in on this. Um, it's not magic. My tips don't cost any money. They're just things that we can do to help us um, see the light and be happier. I love that. And it, it's so important because um, I feel as though often we're, we're told growing up and kind of throughout our lives that happiness will just arrive when you have this external event in your life. And for a lot of people um, that I've spoken with, at least, they reach, you know, they have the dream job or they have the car or they have the relationship and they still feel as though they're not happy, even with, you know, these amazing circumstances. And so it, it's so important. And I'm so happy to hear that people, um, you know, the tips work for everyone. And I, I'm assuming this is normally your next follow up question. But what are some of the, um, you know, I guess what would you recommend is like a first tip to implement for someone who's not in a great spot? And then maybe we can get into some of the other ones as well. Sure. And that's a, such an easy question for me to answer because it's the one I always say um, when I'm interviewed, I always say, can I just teach you one thing? Um, I think this one is so powerful. And I always tell people, if you do it for a week and it doesn't change your life, call me and I'll tell you how you're doing it wrong. <laughs> because wow. <laughs> But it, and it's in my book, it's called The Breath of Green. And um, all it is, is you look around and you find things that are green. And every time you see something green, you um, take a deep breath in. Now, I used to um, recruit medical professionals, doctors and, and things. And I also know a little bit about alternative medicines. And the energy system, if you know anything about alternative medicine, the energy system in our body, they are called chakras. And the heart chakra is green. And usually we think of love and the heart is red and Valentine's Day and pink and um, cupids. But the energy system around your heart is green. And that's why I call this the breath of green. So I tell people when you see green, take a deep breath in, visualize feel, filling your lungs with fresh green love. And as you exhale, push out all the dirt and all the stress and all the anger and all the worries that you have. Um, and it is really a one breath meditation. And what happens is it's reticular thinking. What we think about, we'll see more of. 
So pretty soon you'll start seeing green everywhere. So if you're late for a meeting and you're stopped at a red light, as soon as it turns green, take a breath in, fill those lungs with fresh green love and push out all the negativity with your exhale. It never fails that when I speak or do a presentation, someone in the front row is going to be wearing green. And I never plan it that way, but I just know they're always going to be there. And so if you're not like me, one of this half of 1% who really loves to stand up in front of 2000 people and talk, and that makes you nervous, look around and see who's wearing green and take a breath in. And nobody knows you're doing it. And it will calm your body down. It will calm your mind down. You visualize filling yourself with love. And um, to me, it's all about love and gratitude. And um, when you press, push out, you know, the ugly stuff, you can't help but calm down and life seems better. So the breath of green is the first thing I teach people all the time. I've taught that for over 20 years. And I will have people come up to me and say, you know that thing that you told me about 15 years ago, I still do that. So I think it's powerful. And, you know, spring, I live in Wyoming, it's snowing today, but spring will be coming and then you see green everywhere. And you'll be surprised how much green there is in the world that you can just, every time you see it, take a breath. That's incredible. I love that. And I love what you said about the one breath meditation, because I, I've personally, I've recently gotten into meditation, but before that, and other people I've spoken with can get a little freaked out by it or think they can't do it. But I love that it's so simple and just kind of that initial breath um, can really just do so much. Right. And let me, since you brought up meditation, let me just talk about that a minute. And most of my tips, when I write, I write a blog um, called From the Corner of Spirit and Brave, and at the end of every blog, there's a tip. And that's where a lot of my tips are uh, um, condensed blog writings. But I started meditation when my, my dad was dying. My son was struggling with addiction. I was working 90 hours a week. I thought I was going to lose my mind. And I remember the first time I did it, I put headphones on with rain water sounds and just kept saying out loud, clear my mind, clear my mind, clear my mind. And I lasted about two minutes. And from that, I went on and I have tried many different kinds. I've done, you know, workshops for a weekend that you sit and do nothing but sit for two days and silence. I've tried a lot of different things. And what I always tell people is do not get hung up on the structure or you have to sit cross-legged and straight backed and you have to do this and this and this and do what works for you. And sometimes starting with this breath of green, this one breath meditation is what works. And then um, take a break from work, go sit in your car on your lunch break and sit there with your eyes closed. And even if you have to say out loud, like I did, clear my mind, just to calm yourself down and figure out your type of meditation. For some people it's walking in nature. For some people it is sitting and um, petting your dog, you know, just close your eyes and relax. It can be so many different things. I love that. Now, before you mentioned the tip, you had said that, uh, tell me if, if it doesn't work or if it's not improving your life after a week, I'll tell you <laughs> what you're doing wrong. Has anyone ever come to you and no, <laughs> not no. been doing it right? No. <laughs> no. And that's why I'm so confident in it. Yeah. It works. And um, I remember I was talking to a woman on the phone one day and she pulled her car over. She was in New Jersey. And I said, just let me give you one tip. And so I told her that. And she said, I am going to take a picture on my phone and send it to you right now because you will not believe what I'm looking at. And she had pulled over in this 
park foresty kind of area and the whole picture was nothing but green and I just laughed and I said you know there's no accident there and no I've never had anybody say it doesn't work for them that's amazing that's amazing what are some of the other ones um, after that that you recommend well I've got so many but I do have some favorites and um, one of I've got a couple I'd love to share today but I'm going to share this one I I'm a big proponent of self-care. I think you've got to do things that make you happy before you can help other people. And one of the things that I do do that does cost money is I love to get massages. And when I travel, I um, try to get massages that are um, go along with the customs of their area. So I was in um, Phoenix and I scheduled a massage. And when the massage therapist took me in, she stopped me in the hallway and said, drop, she pulled this basket off the wall and said, you have to put your burdens in here before we go in. And I was a little slow on the uptake and I didn't understand. And she said, when we go in here, it's just going to be you and me so that you can fully relax. So I want you to put all the burdens that you're carrying with you in this basket. So I made a big swooping motion with my hands and like pouring water out of my hands, poured it into her basket. Again, this was when um, I was working crazy hours. My dad was and son were struggling. I had a lot to empty into her basket and it was the best massage I ever had. So afterwards I call it massage brain. I stumbled up to my um, hotel room and sat there thinking, man, that was an amazing massage. And then I realized she had told me I could pick my burdens up on the way out and I forgot to do it. And then I realized that was the whole point to dump your burdens and let yourself relax. So it took me, I wanted a basket just like hers. It took me a couple of years before I found a basket in New Mexico that was just like hers, a smaller version. There's a picture of this on my website and it hangs in the um, doorway of my office. So my office is where I meditate. It's where I write. It's where I do my, all my work. And if, when I go in there, I dump my burdens into that basket. So I teach people, this is, this is a Native American custom. Uh, many Native Americans will hang a burden basket on the entry of their home. So they are happy for you to come and visit, but they don't want you to bring your burdens in and dirty up their house. You dump them before you come in. So I tell people to use a Dixie cup if you have to. Don't wait two years to get the perfect basket. And keep it in the cup holder of your car so that when you leave work, dump your work burdens in that cup before you go into your home. And conversely, if you have issues at home, dump those burdens in that cup before you walk into your office. And if you have trouble sleeping, put a burden basket at the entry of your bedroom so that you dump your burdens before you go to bed. I always say, you know, the best way to go to sleep is to lay there and and, um, I'm big on gratitude. Count what you're grateful for as you lay in bed, because why in the world would we want to count sheep that we don't even know? When we can count the people and the um, things that we love and are meaningful to us and be grateful for them as we go to sleep. So the burden basket is huge. And um, I think it's such a visual. Again, these are just simple little tricks that don't cost anything, but they work if you just implement them. Incredible. I love that. I had never heard of that before. That's amazing. Um, I love what you said about the Dixie cup too, because I feel like so often people will make an excuse, like they don't have the right (laughs) thing to get started with it, but it's the simplest thing. And I hand out just cups at my, when I do presentations, depending on how many people are there, I will take a whole um, bunch of cups and pass them to the audience and say, there, you've got your, your burden basket and you start doing it today on the way home. 
And so they don't have that excuse. Gotcha. I love that. Can you talk a little bit more about transitioning from, you know, leaving this pretty, you know, you're getting paid well um, in this executive position and switching this to to really change course. Um, What was that process like? Because I feel like a lot of people want to do that. Maybe they don't want to start their own company, but want to change career paths or a life path in general. Um, What was that like for you? And how did you, was there any self-doubt involved? Um, What was that process like? Oh, Great question, and thank you for asking me that. First of all, I always qualify when I say that in a presentation that I don't promote that for anybody to just leave their job (laughs) like I did. I was in a very fortunate situation that I wasn't um, going to have to stress about buying groceries every week. You know, I, I was in a situation where I could walk away from a job and still be able to pay my mortgage and, and buy groceries. But when I did that, um, and everybody thought I was crazy, um, all my friends and people, coworkers and you know, colleagues that I worked with. But when I did that, I took a year and sat and really thought about, I knew I wanted to help people. In fact, my mission statement is three words, to help others, period. And so I knew I wanted to help people. I knew that I could help people with this happiness piece and um, help them alleviate some of the stress in their life or at least be able to live with stress. And I knew that um, I I wanted to be in control over my work situation so that I stayed happy doing it. So I thought about it for a year and um, made a few excuses in my mind here and there about why I couldn't and why I shouldn't. And Finally, I created my own website and started writing my blog. And I remember the first blog, I came out to the kitchen and I told my husband um, after I had um, posted it, I said, 11 people read my blog. And he said, 11 people you don't know. And I said, yeah, I wonder who they are. And now I have thousands of people from all over the world reading my blog. But it's a scary thing. You put yourself out there. And I, every um, week when I post a blog, I write from my gut and from my heart, and I think that's what resonates with people, but it's scary to put yourself out there like that and be honest and be real and, um, you know, try to say this works for me and so um, it would work for you. But my advice for people is, unless you're in a situation like me that you don't have to worry about finances and can make that leap, do it, um, you know, in the evenings, on the weekends, if you... A lot of people ask, how do you be a speaker? You know, speak on the weekends and the evenings in different places or um, whatever it is that you want to do, try to do it part-time first and before you gradually turn it into something full-time. And it's scary, whether it's starting your own business or what it is that you want to do to change. But I, I will tell you, when you hone in with your soul and your heart into what it is that you really are meant to do, it will be fulfilling to you. It will grow your heart. It will grow your life in ways that you can't imagine until you do it. Incredible, incredible. And then from the blog, you wrote a book. Um, right. And how, how, what was that like as well? Because I feel like I feel like you've done so many things that people talk <laughs> their entire lives about doing and never take action on it. Well, um, so I, I love that you have these like really practical, tangible things people could start with. Right. I will tell you, I um, 
people ask me how long it took for me to write my book and I say 60 years. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> no, I say I was one of those people. I said for years, I want to write a book. In fact, I still have so many books half written, you know, in my computer and in my head that um, it, it takes a lot, again, to put yourself out there for that. But when I realized that I wanted to start with a tip book and just put these tips really concisely in there, and it's a small book, it can fit in your purse, and you can take it with you. And it's kind of the way of our world. You know, we're so used to just reading tweets and things and snippets, but each one of them is thought provoking. And if you want to read more, you can go on my website and find the full blog that explains it more in detail, but this gives the concise tip. So um, yeah, it was, it was work. I will tell you, writing a book is not an easy thing to do. And you go back and forth with editors and um, graphic artists and um, your publisher, and it's a, it's a back and forth process. And it takes a lot of work and a lot of time, but the result from this has been so um, heartwarming to me. I've got counselors that have my book and they will see a client and as they go out the door, they'll say, open this book, read one thing, and that's what I want you to work on this week. I mean, it has been used in, in fabulous ways and I get messages from people. So um, it's fulfilling and it when you can hold a book that has your name and your picture on it and you realize you've really done it, it um, it's a pretty powerful thing. But it, you know, it all takes work. Definitely, definitely. What would you recommend for someone? Because I, I hear this a lot too, that maybe they're not, you know, they're working an okay job. Maybe nothing's, you know, going necessarily horrible or great in their life. They're just doing fine, but they want to find their purpose and really what's going to light them up that they can also help others with. Was there anything when you were in that year long, you know, um, I guess, time span that you were doing any like exercises, anything tangible to, if someone's not sure, um, you know, what their passion is or what they really want to pursue, but they know they have to make some change that they could kind of go about doing. Right. I, I always tell people to think about what you did when you were a kid. And when I was a kid, I always wanted to be a teacher. And I remember setting up my stuffed animals and writing on the chalkboard and reading to them. And I remember the first book I wrote in fourth grade was the purple Easter bunny that a rabbit had balanced paint on his head and the bucket fell and he turned purple. I always knew I wanted <laughs> to teach and write. And I, um, you have to go back to that. What made you happy? What made you, what gave you energy when you were a kid that you wanted to do that you did for fun? And then look at your life now and those, those snippets of moments where you feel alive, like when I was helping people over lunch and I felt alive, like this is what I was supposed to be doing. Um, that's what you have to hone in on. And the little whispers that we hear in life that we like to ignore, like, yeah, I'd really like to, but I can't. And, you know, we're our biggest critic and naysayer and we tell ourselves we can't, we can't, we can't. Well, yes, you can. And, um, I'm also a painter and I love to paint and I, you know, go out my little paint area and sometimes I think, oh, you know, I'm not a great painter, but six hours later when I have blinked and six hours has gone by because I love to paint so much, that's important. So pay attention to those pockets of things in your life that you're doing and then figure out how you can um, incorporate that into your life. And if you want it to be your, your income builder, how can you make a living doing that? And so 
it might look very different than what you think it's going to look like, but it still might fulfill your purpose and um, you'll hone in on what you're doing. One of my challenges was I um, love to do so many things. And so I didn't, I, I work a lot with hospice and I teach grief writing workshops with hospice. I go into um, rehab facilities and talk to people in rehab, their family groups and things. And then um, I will keynote conferences for bankers associations with this love your life no matter what. And I knew in the beginning, I didn't want to be the lady whose son died from an overdose. And um, I, I wanted it to be deeper than that. I wanted to teach people how to survive that, how to be happy after that and how to realize it's, you know, not your fault and things like that. So you look at the different pieces of your life and then it will gradually hone in to what it is that you really want to do and what's the big umbrella. And then you can do these little pieces underneath it. I love that. Incredible. Going back to the um, tips you're mentioning before. So the breath of green, the burden basket, is there a third one to round that out that you would recommend? Um, yeah. I, there's one, um, it's tip number 41 in the book and it's the good enough reminder. I, um, I'll, I'll give you the quick story where this came from. I was going to Colorado to speak at a all men's rehab facility, a hundred men. And the night before I was going down to speak, I thought I want to give them something. And I do this speech called, I am good enough. So I made this little card and it says, I am good enough. No one is better or less than another. We are all good enough printed it out on my home computer and cut them apart. And after I gave my presentation, I walked around the room, gave each one of them a card, looked in their eye and said, you are good enough. And um, the reason the card says I am good enough is because your mind will believe your own voice and your own self-talk more than it will believe anybody else. So I could stand in front of each of them and say, you are good enough for two hours. But until they believe it themselves, it won't matter. So I told them to put this card on their makeup mirror and their billfold under their pillow and look at it every day and say it out loud as they read it, I am good enough, so that you're telling yourself that. So after the presentation, this group of 100 men made a single file line and came up and talked to me one at a time, gave me hugs, told me their stories. And there was a young man that waited at the end and they kept trying to get him to cut in line and he kept saying, I'd wait, I'd wait. And he waited till it was just the two of us in the room. And he said, nobody in my entire life has ever told me I was good enough. And it touched my heart so much that that was so powerful for him that I um, now order those cards by the case. I put them in the seat pocket of airplanes and I'll drop them in, stick them in the mirrors and restrooms and always put them in the bill at a restaurant. And it's amazing how I will get emails from people and say, I found, I was walking across the beauty shop floor and uh, walking and having a bad day. And I found this card on the floor. I don't know where it came from, but it was what I needed to hear today. So I think the concept of telling yourself that you are good enough, um, that, you know, none of us are better than the other. We're in different circumstances in our life, but it is such a um, powerful thing if you can hone in on it. I always say we all have a sore spot in our lives that we don't feel good enough, whether it's our height or our weight or our education, or you know we're not smart enough or tall enough, or um, we're not good enough to have that job that we really want, or we, we're not deserving of this. And if we can um, 
work on that and tell yourself every day, I am good enough and um, go out and conquer the world because you are good enough. It's, it's a powerful thing and probably, probably the number one issue everybody has. Yeah. And I love what you said about how it's different for everyone. It could be something that is, you know, fairly persistent or could be underneath the surface and it's just always different, but I found the same thing where across all different, you know, backgrounds and things like that, it's always people don't feel good enough in some aspect or many right. aspects a lot of the time. Right. And it uh, happens. I always tell everybody, I, people will say, well, your life is perfect. And I will tell you because of my high happiness at point, I've been called Perky Penny and Pollyanna my whole life. And I always tell people my life is not perfect. I've been through some stuff. It's just that um, I work on it and it is different for all of us just because, um, you know, I'm happy. I still have days where I think, oh my goodness, you know, how am I going to get through today? And can I really walk out there and speak to all these people? Am I that great of a speaker? And do I have anything to say? And, you know, we all have self-doubt and we all have moments like that. So it, it is the whole thing that we're all the same and um, we all are good enough and we all have the same kind of moments. Yeah. And I, I love what you said about, you know, you, you work on happiness and what I've heard across the interviews on this podcast is that happiness is a choice that comes up a lot. Um, is there anything else you want to add on, on the lines of, you know, happiness in general mindset, anything at all? Well, what you just said is important. I think that it is a choice and I, you know, have learned the hard way in my life that, we don't know when our last day is going to be. We could live to be 113 or, you know, we might make it to 22 like my son or younger. So we don't know which day is going to be our last. So I always have this philosophy. Why would I want to waste one day of being sad or being angry when um, if this is my last day, I want to spend it being happy. So how can I do that? And I start my morning um, gratitude is gratitude and love are my things. And so the first thing when I open my eyes in the morning, I lay in bed and say, thank you for this day. And I say, thank you for my kids. And I list them by name. Thank you for my grandkids. Um, thank you for safe cars, safe travels, safe flights for those I know and love. And I go through and list things. Every time I get in the car, when I'm driving, I do my gratitude out loud like that. And I had a friend say, I saw you singing in the car. And I can do a lot of things. Singing is not one of them. <laughs> but singing, I was going through my gratitude list out loud. The car is a great place. You can shout what you're grateful for in the car. And I think words have energy and you put it out there in the universe and in your life. So um, it is a choice. And I make that choice every morning when my eyes open. Again, I always say I'm not perfect. I have days when my husband will say to me, that is not very pennyhunt.com like. <laughs> oh, I hate it when people use my own stuff back on me, but um, you know, sometimes I need it too. I love that. That's so funny. So Penny, where can people, first of all, you know, buy your book, follow you? What's the best way to connect? Well, my website is pennyhunt.com and it's P-E-N-N-I-E-H-U-N-T.com. I, if you just Google my name, Penny Hunt, and spell Penny correctly, you will find me everywhere. I'm on every social media. Uh, my book is on Amazon and also on my website. And I'm on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. And um, 
YouTube. I've got over 100 videos on my YouTube channel. I try to do a, a video with every blog and give the backstory of why I wrote the blog. And that's kind of fun for me to do. So um, it, it's not hard to find me. If you Google my name or go to my website, all the links are there. Incredible. Thank you so much for being on and specifically for providing such tangible things that people can do sure. um, because they're all, they're all, you know, fa fairly simple, but it's clearly making an impact in a lot of people's lives, no matter what background or um, where, where they really live. So right. thank you again. I really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you being, you inviting me and I appreciate the work that you do because, you know, now more than ever, we need happiness in this world and we need to teach people. I, you know, I think we're here for three things and that is to learn, to teach and to love. And so we need to teach people these happiness techniques and how it is a choice and how they can bring it into their life, no matter what situation they're in. And um, the more of us doing it and gathering together, the better it's going to be. And that's a wrap for today's episode. Make sure to check out our free resources online at www.american-happiness.com. Feel free to follow us on Instagram as well, at American Happiness Project. See you soon.